Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deck, and most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. We're excited about this one, fellow conspiracy realist. We, like you, hopefully, love cryptids. Uh, And you guys remember, recently we republished a classic episode about cryptids from Australia. And we got so much cool feedback from that, we thought now might be the evening to follow up with a new cryptid exploration. It's a bit of an obscure one for many people. You might not have heard of it unless you're from a specific region of Pennsylvania. No spoilers just yet. Let's start at the beginning. Here are the facts. What... For anybody who listens to the show and doesn't know what a cryptid is, how would we how would we explain this? A mystical creature that may or may not exist. That's pretty yeah. great. Uh, creatures, biological creatures, often, sometimes a little more magical, that exist in folklore. Like tales about these creatures have been told a lot of times orally over the course of centuries. I tried to straddle that line there by saying mystical because I think mystical can be magical, but doesn't have to be. It could just be that they, you know, they have an aura of mystery to them. Sort of like mazes and puzzles. Yeah, exactly. Venn diagram <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, I, I, it's really interesting that cryptids range from highly plausible, like slight variations on known species of animals to, I would say on the other end is that magical thing that's maybe not even existing on this plane at all times. 
mythological, mm-hmm. right? Legendary creatures. Yeah. And there are a lot of Venn diagrams. Obviously, the most famous cryptids here are things like Bigfoot, Nessie, aka Loch Ness Monster. I still think that's an unfair name. The Chupacabra, Goat Sucker, not a great street name. Uh, but you know, that's just the sort of uh, tip of the iceberg, edge of the forest. Every civilization throughout history has some kind of record or description or belief in some sort of cryptid, right? And often it might be a misidentified real creature, right? How like elephant skulls gave most likely gave rise to the mythology surrounding the Cyclops. And we know that as science advances and as more and more people explore more and more parts of the world, uh, belief in some cryptids has waned over the centuries, but a lot of people are still convinced there are undiscovered creatures out there, usually in remote areas of the surface or deep in the depths of the ocean, which in a previous episode is where we I think that's where we concluded that large undiscovered creatures would most likely have to be in the ocean at this point. Yes, and they are. <laughs> we've also we're talked not, a lot about uh, giving it the outback lately, you know, mm-hmm. where if there were going to be some, it might be in vast, difficult to explore places, you know, uh, on, on, on Earth. Mm, Antarctica underneath the ice somehow. Mm-hmm. The uh, the steppes of uh, Central Asia. Well, I'm holding out for that Mongolian death worm, guys. Ooh. I, it's just a such a cool name. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, there are. Okay, though we like we always want to point out there are also creatures that have been considered cryptids of a very specific type, and then later they have been proven to exist. They're almost always going to be animals that were thought to have been alive at one point and then gone extinct. And then they're rediscovered the coelacanth being uh, the most, the most famous example. And some of that obviously goes down to the honestly, the, the condescension of European scientists back in the day through history. And so they would say it's not discovered or it's not real until we from, you know, Cambridge or whatever, see it in person. Oh yeah. There were recent, Sightings again of the Tasmanian tiger that when it went extinct, at least according to most everyone, I love seeing those reports because it's often a trail, a trail camera or something that catches what really does look to be a Tasmanian tiger, Mm -hmm. but there's no way to verify unless you, you know, habeas corpus, unless you have the body or you have the scat, which is just, you know, the poop, not the scat man. I don't know. Ask the scat man. What he thinks of the Tasmanian tiger. Unfortunately, I believe he may have passed. Sweet up up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy is huge in Japan, by the way. Still. Oh, of course he is. Because he did really these like commercials. snow in Japan, too. Not the you know weather phenomenon, but mm-hmm. informer, you know, mm-hmm. not Mickey Boom Boom Bam. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, music is going to come up a lot in tonight's episode. This This information is familiar to all long-term cryptid fans or cryptozoology fans. I said long-term as though it's a medical condition. That's not the implication. Uh, But there is good news as of 2024. (laughs) I guess we are long-term cryptozoologist uh, enthusiasts. But uh, as of 2024, last year seems to have been a stellar year for cryptids. The more preferred term now is lost species. And we have to think of it like a large scale murder mystery. Uh, Usually like the big question uh, in the mass extinction of earth is 
at what point do we say, okay, give up the ghost. That animal is gone from the world. That species is no more. We used to say, if you haven't seen it in the wild or on the streets or in the zoo for 50 years, then you can say it's extinct. But it looks like, fortunately, uh, a lot of those deaths got announced prematurely. For example, uh, back in the 90s, uh, the International Union for Conservation of Nature revised this uh, to kind of change the language a little bit um, to deem species extinct if certain uh, criteria were met. Uh, One that they refer to in the the document is if no reasonable doubt exists that the last individual member of that species has in fact died. And sometimes they're can be discoveries that lead to, you know, finding out that's not in fact the case. For example, in 2023, there was a rare lizard called the, I'm guessing it's Le- lions, uh, because it was spelled with a Y like in France. Um, Leon's, maybe, ah, whatever. Leon's grassland striped skink was rediscovered in, ding, 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 Australia. So just saying, a lot of, a lot of places to hide in that there bush. Mm-hmm. And it's just tough to get out there, you know, and oh, stay yeah. for the amount of time you would, logically need to observe observe the wild and it's it's weird too because these aren't all bugs we'll give you a couple more examples uh a a colony of little penguins that's what they're really called was that's a card in uh there's a card for that in uh in wingspan it's called the little penguin it's adorable yeah well good news for them because they had a colony that went extinct about 30 a little more than 30 years ago and they were rediscovered uh they had returned and, and a new little penguin had been hatched and even littler or tinier penguin. Uh, and this, this happened, you know, decades after everybody, every human expert was convinced they had been wiped out by foxes, possibly dogs. And then there's more stuff. There's an echidna out in the middle of nowhere rainforest in Indonesia. People thought that was extinct until November of last year. Uh, the echidna's You're name saying it was gone till November. It was gone till November. That's beautiful. Uh, the echidna's name, this is beautiful too, is Zaglosis Attenbury, after David Attenborough. Of course. God, I'm surprised there are more things named after David Attenborough. Did you know well, that all bird names, sorry guys, I've been playing a lot of wingspan lately. Did you know that all bird names named after people are going to be changed? That that's like a thing? I was not aware of that, Yeah, that makes it's sense. It's really interesting. But I they're going to keep all the, sure why. they're going to keep all the, the prank names. Like the red tit and all that crap. Oh, there's plenty of t- tits for days in wingspan, <laughs> yeah. you guys. So many yeah. tits. Unbelievable. So, so uh, we also say that we also have to point out, as we said previously, that in, in the case of these rediscoveries, as inspiring and warm and fuzzy as they feel, they're happening because of some other terrible things that are happening. Extinction is spiking, right? Human, the age of the Anthropocene means that more humans are getting into places encroaching on traditionally wild animal territory. Uh, Still it's inspiring. And this is sort of a love letter, this episode to uh, a particular cryptid that we would like to inspire. And maybe at the end we can figure out whether we have decided to believe in this guy. There's one cryptid. I think we collectively want to see more of in 2024. It's the squonk. He's not the sexiest. We did a little thing online to try to boost his self-esteem. The internet largely agrees the sexiest cryptid is Mothman. That's known, right? Just because of that proven. dumper, right? I mean, and those uh, He's those got abs. like nine abs. It's unbelievable. The, the sexiest human-like cryptid, maybe? There you go. There you right? go. Let's be inclusive. Oh, let's, let's be that's inclusive. That's a caveat. Right? Sure. 
A lot of cryptids may not walk upright or, you know, have dumpers like that or abdominals that are just chiseled. Um, but but there's other things. The lines and curvature on some cryptids could be considered quite the, uh, <laughs> the, the velveteen folds of, <laughs> yeah. of their floppy there's, old man skin. There's yes. a beauty to imperfection. I think it was Leonard Cohen who said there's a crack in everything. That's oh, how the light, that's gets, the light in. gets in. Baby. Well, think so, about Nessie, oh. just how smooth it must be. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's really in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Not a Dungeons and Dragons joke, but I'm very into Dungeons and Dragons again. Uh, The Squawk is not the most well-known cryptid by a long shot, but according to some surprisingly old folklore, it may just be the world's saddest cryptid. Uh, We're going to tell you why after word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Here's where it gets crazy. We're doing a great job with the description. I love velveteen skin there. Uh, Maybe we talk a little bit about the hemlock forest of northern Pennsylvania. This guy has a pretty small range. Oh, yeah. When we say the hemlock forest, we mean 
all the dang hemlock trees that exist in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of them, and this thing is allegedly existing somewhere in that area. If you look at a map, you can find several like natural uh, reserves that mm-hmm. are kind of not based on, but named after the hemlock trees that exist within the area. But uh, yeah, I, I think if you look on a map and the way it's described in many places on the internet, it's just hemlock forest, North Pennsylvania. It's pretty vague. One quick question that I mean, maybe, maybe others are wondering hemlock, the tree is, is the hemlock, the poison derived from the hemlock tree or are those two completely different things? I'm pretty sure that the, Poison hemlock is, is it a plant? I think the hemlock that's poison, it's kind of like a carrot. Yeah, it's got little white flowers. Poison hemlock, small white flowers. So I don't think they're related, but that's, uh, I've always been confused. I'm glad we took the moment. It is. I'm glad we took the moment to to figure that out. Because hemlock trees are actually conifers. Okay. Mm -hmm. But this is conium maculatum. mm -hmm. And, and con, oh, and, um, I think hemlock is around the world, right? Hemlock trees. Yeah, they look yeah, a yeah. heck of a lot like pines. I mean, yeah. they really, you know, they got that same shape. Uppers. Very much uh, that feel of Oregon, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a cool scientific name, Suga. Yeah, Suga canadensis. Yeah, or uh, Suga mertensiana, because Su- Suga is a, a genus, right? So sure. There, there are a bunch of folks in the family there. But uh, yeah, we were looking into, we're trying to find some specific specificity, like which hemlock forest in particular. But uh, according to all the lore, the squawk just doesn't have a mailing address. It has a general area. So you got to come through and you have to listen very closely because the best way to find the squonk is to wait for the sound of weeping because this semi-quadruped has a pretty rough, rough skin condition. And it, according to the stories, again, it is smart enough to feel bad about itself. So it is always lacrimose. It is always just weeping and weeping. Uh, And it's tough to catch because we'll see that some people call it stupid uh, when they're describing it, but no squawk. Uh, has ever been officially entered into the scientific record because even in the stories where they catch him, he uses his superpower, which is that he dissolves into bubbles and tears when he is apprehended or captured. Jesus. Does he have a function? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what's this? What's he, what's he for? What was he made for? Well, for Billy trapping. He was made for trapping as we have found from a, was an entry from the 1800s that was like a uh, somebody who's just writing down their daily oh, yeah, uh, yeah, goings yeah. about in Waverly, yeah. Nebraska or Lancaster mm-hmm. County out there. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned the squonk. Yeah. Yeah. You can. It, it's weird because you would think with, you know, understandable validity, you might think, wow, this guy seems like an Internet meme. Surely it's a recent uh, a creation like Slenderman or something. But the use of the word squonk and depictions perhaps of these creatures date back, as you said, Matt, centuries. The Nebraskan Settlers uh, Diary, they were mentioning 1878, is great because I, I just found this one of interest because it's dropped so casually and because it's not clear if he's talking about squonk. Because a squonk is not, they're not, they're thought to be Pennsylvanian, right? 
possibly desert immigrants to the Pennsylvania forest, but you don't hear about them in Nebraska except on uh, on February. What is it? There it is. On February 27th. No Wednesday. 1878, a Wednesday, where a guy says, well, we'll get a little ephemeral with it. Went to Salt Creek and set three traps for Autumn and two for Mink. Caught two squawks, then I was mad and went to Literary in the evening. Weather warm. That's <laughs> so great. What does that mean? I went, went to, to Literary? literary? You mean like a comp, like a, like a like a reading competition of some kind? What, what? Maybe it's uh, well, he goes to the literary often because on yes. January twenty third, the guy's also at the literary, so it may be just the local hangout spot in town, right? Or yeah, maybe, maybe it's like the community hall or the literary center. I think it's got to be just some kind of, as you said, gathering place, because there are several other entries that C.C. Beach makes in this diary where he's like, um, and then Mr. I've, Mr. Perkins uh, joined me to, to my house. Uh, lovely fellow. Uh, then I also I stayed over at this place. But fine, folks. And just very. He's a trapper, too. So, he's yeah, but like he's just making his way about. And sometimes mm-hmm. he goes to literary and sometimes he catches two squonk or but squirrel. But he doesn't or want skunk. to catch them. <laughs> yeah, or squirrel or squonk. But he was mad because he's, he's, he's looking for mink uh, it, it, and otter. It, it makes me think of like uh, snipe, snipe hunting, you know? Like that was another kind of uh, mythical creature that I think, you know, people would use to sort of make fun of un- inexperienced hunters, tell them to catch a snipe, you know? Mm-hmm. And but Boy Scouts that do that. I, I had, yeah, I, I'm glad we're, we're getting to that now because um, that that's something – that that's something I think is important to the conversation here. We gotta. We'll see. That's an excellent setup because we'll see uh, some of the. I'll say similar narrative threads, right? Like Samuel Johnson apparently mentions the squonk, uh, in in the the description we've just gave you in his dictionary, uh, and then the most in depth early mention. What really puts this guy on the map is a book by a guy named William Thomas Cox. It's called Failsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods with a Few Desert and Mountain Beast, 1910. That's kind of, wow. So we're mainly talking about creatures of the Lumberwoods. We're going to throw in a few desert and mountain beasts. Just, just a few. Just to round it out. This is uh, the Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods with a Few Desert and Mountain Beast is a book that purports to be a compendium, a field guide of creatures that are considered fantastical, legendary, or uh, cryptozoological, and went back and found the the original book, ended up reading a lot of it because it's, it's a fun ride, uh, thought it would be, that would be fun uh, in the interest of some, some performance with our theater backgrounds, uh, if we kind of round-robined the the description of the squonk. Uh, it's about three paragraphs long, and I don't know. It, it, there's a poetry to it. The range of the squonk is very limited. Few people outside of Pennsylvania have ever heard of a quaint beast which is said to be fairly common in the hemlock forests of that state. The squonk is of a very retiring disposition, generally traveling about at twilight and dusk because of its misfitting skin, which is covered with warts and moles. It is always unhappy. In fact, it is said by people who are best able to judge to be the most morbid of beasts. And I know we're Pennsylvania here, and I was putting some Southern on it, but it's the only way I know how to talk old-timey. Hunters who are good at tracking are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail. 
for the animal weeps constantly. When cornered and escapes, seems impossible, or when surprised or frightened, it may even dissolve itself in tears. Squonk hunters are most successful on frosty moonlight nights when tears are shed slowly and the animal dislikes moving about. It may then be heard weeping under the bows of dark hemlock trees. Mr. J.P. Wentling, formerly of Pennsylvania but now at St. Anthony Park, Minnesota, had a disappointed experience with a squonk near Mount Alto. He made a clever capture by mimicking the squonk and inducing it to hop into a sack in which he was carrying it home when, suddenly, the burden lightened and the weeping ceased. Wentling unslung the sack and looked within. There was nothing but tears and bubbles. Oh, squonk bubbles. Okay, these uh, descriptions are remarkably uh, cogent, <laughs> and like, like I don't, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't feel that like these are the descriptions of something made up. Or do you? Do you think this is like what? what <sighs> good story is a good story, man. I mean, Joseph Campbell is right about hero's journey. Some stuff just works in a story, so it sticks around, right? right? Uh, they they it give, has the ring of truth yeah. to it. Is all I'm getting at. <laughs> there we go. They give the uh, they give the squonk a taxonomic definition as well or term lacrima corpus dissolvens so it combines the latin terms of tear body and dissolve so its scientific name is dissolves into tears what if it doesn't actually dissolve what if it shrinks itself down because its body mass is like 99 percent liquid or you know it can actively dehydrate Mm -hmm. that's cool that's smart i like that uh and (laughs) And this, this is a somewhat, I guess, if not generous, it is a somewhat sympathetic description of a squawk. It's saying, hey, it feels bad. It's Life is tough. Another very, very similar book published uh, in 1939, written by a different author, but with a very similar title. Uh, it's a lot meaner. It's more of a diss track to the squonk. It's like, which squonk hurt you? Did you and the squonk date for a while? Why are you describing it as slow and of a low mentality? Low mentality is, is such a weird insult. Yeah. And and ascribing it to a creature that clearly is, you know, um, reproducing. It wouldn't be here if it wasn't reproducing. Uh, Unless it's the one of its kind, you know, and it's somehow supernatural, right? Oh, maybe, I guess maybe so. it jumps through dimensions, like the uh, people have argued that Bigfoot might. Well, it can dissolve itself in tears, y'all. It can dissolve itself <laughs> in tears and bubbles. Perhaps that's some sort of form of teleportation. Mm-hmm. But see, maybe they're not tears. Maybe it's creating a portal that it can then like travel through ectoplasmic mm-hmm. goo Maybe perhaps it's just its leavings yeah uh they also said in this 1939 book also called fearsome critters they said the squonk is quote probably the homeliest animal in the world and it knows it <laughs> which is like weirdly personal so it's uh, we are able to speak with henry h tyrone because our, our ouija board's out of order but uh i don't know man He's he's all gas, no brakes on dissing this guy, and we have no idea whether he met the naked mole rat, which I think, again, visually, skin-wise, is probably the closest to descriptions of a squonk, right? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, did we did we really describe it, like, full, in a full way, like, looking at these pictures? Uh, yeah, it? we've got the photos here. These, um, 
it varies a little bit, of course, because there's no actual photograph of a squonk or there's nothing claiming to be a photograph. Instead, we have artistic depictions. And in most of those depictions, what we see is a largely quadruped creature. Uh, its eyes vary, but they always are weeping. Sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, when people cry really hard and a little snot comes out of their nose, there's a little bit of that for the guy. He's got warts, wrinkles. Uh, he has sometimes a little tail, sometimes not. Occasionally, there were a couple pictures I saw where he looked a little bit more reptilian, but I would say in most of them, he looks more like a mammal with a weird, awkward face. Or there's one where he looks kind of like the one that becomes a meme. He looks almost like a small species of bug combined with, uh, uh, combined with bovine or goat-like legs a little bit of water bear quality to it maybe that's yeah like tardigrade almost Just a little bit but his little goat legs are interesting and they're sort of oddly spaced you know what i mean they're sort of like strangely in the middle and then he sticks out in the front and the back you know it's uh see he does seem to be a bit of an unfortunate creature i was gonna say it reminds me a bit of a short-nosed echidna if you weren't really close up to it and Mm. you didn't see the spiky bits Mm-hmm. Uh, you may mistake them for folds and or warts. I don't yeah, know. that's a good that's a good point. It reminds me of the stuff we did on the uh, frogmen cryptids. The idea about creatures getting misidentified is is pretty pretty frequent. But even if okay, we don't know how tongue in cheek these books are meant to be. Are they meant to be a fun like McSweeney's type thing, or is it? like just a cash grab or is it like a coffee table book of its time? Did the people writing this genuinely believe in it? I'm going to say probably not, um, but it's tough for us to tell. We can't also see the squonk emergent in other works of American folklore. Paul Bunyan runs into a squonk. Uh, it's the same story. Someone hears the weeping or the wailing and they try to mimic it. And then they get close to the squonk. They catch the squonk. The squonk disappears. The guy's got an MO. <laughs> which <laughs> which is he's got an emo MO. He's got an emo. No. No, we'll let it go. No, oh, no. I'll, I'll have I'll have I'll have what he's having. Um no, I was gonna say earlier, like he is a very emo little fellow. Uh he's he's in his feelings, you know, a lot, which you gotta appreciate in a in a cryptid. Mm-hmm. At least he under at least he knows, you know, how to how to feel. At least he knows how to emote. He knows who he is, apparently. Mm-hmm. There's a gift to that. The We also, I think one of the reasons we can answer the question about how sincere these authors may or may not be is by just giving a quick laundry list of other other animals or life forms listed and explored in the Fearsome Creatures book uh, from 1910. They include positively Seussian names, like the, the Bildad, uh, the Tripadero, which sounds so cool. The Tripadero sounds like a name of a 1970s station wagon to me. Sure does. Well, you guys, I mean, the, the table of contents in this Fearsome Critters uh, book that we've been referring to is just absolutely uh, a, a, a feast for the census. I think, uh, I think we've all been dying to just, like, read some of our favorites. Do it. Oh, I don't know. I guess one that comes to, him, comes to mind for me is the... Uh, well, there's the there's the Columbia River Sand Squink, not to be confused with the squawk. This is a squink, mind you, and the 
come at a body. Like, like, it's like, it's like a threat. Like, come at a body, bro. Come at me. Come on. I dare you. Not to mention the side hill Googer, not Cougar, and subspecies. Hmm. I found stuff on the Shagamaw, guys. It has the forelegs of a bear and the hind legs of a moose and is, quote, given to devouring the clothing of lumbermen. Oh, mm, mm-hmm. really, really, really likes flannel. And then there's, of course, the Snowlagoster, which sounds like a snot-based roller coaster yeah. of some sort, right? Uh, I, I don't know. They're, these are clearly not scientific names, though the team does give them uh, to the to the animals in each entry. You can find this book on for free online thanks to services like archive.org. So you can read the whole thing if you like. I do have to say that some of them have like fun, really fun alternate names. Like uh, this one here is called the um, the Dingamall, but then in parentheses it says Plunkus. So which is it? The Dingamall or the Plunkus? And I said this to you guys off air, uh, and as I think probably listeners are already getting irritated with me about, I'm becoming very obsessed with modular synthesizers. And uh, the Plunkus and the Squonk both sound like great names for uh, for modules that make beeps and boops. I'm going to shout one more out, guys. It's the hoop snake. Uh, The way I am looking at it here, uh, described as a snake that places its tail in its mouth. So it's like Ouroboros. It is. And then it rolls at a very high speed. There's a lot of Wild West (laughs) tales about that guy, too. It's so weird. Really, really impossible to dodge. (laughs) It's very scary. Remember that that circle ship in uh, Prometheus? They seemed to have a really difficult time dodging because they just kept running in a line (laughs) as the circle ship was rolling after them. Uh, You can also check out fearsomecritters.org, which is the modern-day descendant of this and has much, much more on there, including, of course, the milking trout. Which oh, of course, bothers me. You guys know I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, but isn't there that uh, Harry Potter offshoot called like uh, Fantastic Beasts and, and where, where to, to find, find, them? find them? I think this seems like a similar kind of uh, codex. Mm. And so, with these with these names, what we could say is we're seeing more folklore collection than hard investigative science. Uh, and we have to ask ourselves: with all those other creatures identified in the book. Uh, what happened to them? Why did the squawk become the breakout star of this American cryptozoography? Uh, in this case, it's because of the internet. The internet inspired a renaissance of squawk lore, fandom, and perhaps even genuine belief. I think it was in uh, the 2010s, we started seeing a lot of memes and posts of the squawk, the most famous being drawn by Ashley Gerst. That's the one where the legs are really small and in the center of the body. And people would share this picture and then they would share another picture. It's like, he's just like me. Or he gets it because he's a mythical creature that's so ugly that he hides from plain sight and spends most of his time weeping. So that's classic internet reaction stuff, you know? And shout out to our good friends over at Know Your Meme who have a neat little article on the internet history of the squonk. I was surprised by how many of these I felt like I recognized once I started looking at them. Did you guys look at this? Did you see the different macro or what are they called? Image macro responses? Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I guess I didn't realize until we started talking about it. This was something that I had experienced in passing. Yes. Yeah, you know, like a picture of that, that macro, the squonk, and then, you know, the, the picture under it is that William uh, Defoe meme where he's saying, you know, I'm something of a blank myself. 
but he says I'm something of a squonk myself. Damn, some of these got the squonk looking kind of fearsome, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, earlier like some sort of creature that would hunt you down, you know, and stalk you from, from, the, from the grasses. It looks like a mildly deformed bulldog to me. Mm, yeah, like someone edited out the neck. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. guys remember that movie, The Relic? Yes. It was, it yeah, was yeah. like a creature that ran around and ate people in the museum. It kind of mm-hmm. looks like that. <laughs> that guy was scary. He had sort of tusk-like teeth like that. Was The Relic the one where the creature can adapt? I don't think so. I don't think. That's a different one that came the out the same way. Okay, this one's part reptilian. I'm looking at it now. Okay. okay. Yeah, The Relic was with, uh, what's her name? Penelope Ann Miller. And Tom Sizemore, and it's been all the whole thing takes place, I believe, in the Museum of Natural History in New York. And uh, there's a creature that is, you know, stalking uh, the the curators of the museum and tearing them to shreds. But he kind of looks squonk like. He's got those weird goat legs that kind of invert. You know what I mean? That's that's what that's what made me think about it. And they call him the Cthulhu in there. Uh, so there is a cryptid star. Uh, and cryptids play a huge part in pop culture. So does the squawk. While there's not any proof of this guy accepted by modern science yet, he sure shows up in a lot of other things. I, I think maybe we uh, pause for a word from our sponsor, if we're all cool with that, and then look at the squawk as a cultural phenomenon. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we have returned. Guys, I had no idea how popular Squonk was with musicians in the 70s. It just, it, it's really, it was unexpected to me. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, you got a lot of these 70s bands that are doing the prog rock thing, and a lot of that's tied up in Dungeons and Dragons y type lore. And I don't know, the Squonk is a pretty great candidate for a mythical being to, to, write, a, to write a riff about. Well, yeah, you just imagine somebody came across a copy of that 1910 book, right, about the lumbermen, the fearsome creatures and the lumbermen, and they're like, ah, we absolutely must feature the squonk. What's the sensitive <laughs> fellow? <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder why there's not more stuff about some of those other ones. I, I feel like this is there's untapped potential in the gilly-galoo, the bird that lays square eggs. I mean, come on, that's got to be a thing. I think for the names alone, you know, some of them are syllabically challenging, right? Uh, like putting in Central American wind tosser into a song lyric is a little bit tough. Cannabis could do it. Kendrick could do it. But I don't know if he will. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right, though. There is this specificity. Also kind of reminds me of this. This was an era where those songs with more specificity of reference seemed a little more welcomed in popular culture. I'm not sure. Maybe they were just thinking outside the box, man. Maybe they were just more inspired or like so many people on the internet today saw themselves in the story of the squonk. We're talking off air. Um, I think I can't remember who it was when we were, we were talking about this before we filmed that video. Um, I think we were all surprised to learn that Genesis has a song dedicated to the squonk. Yeah, and it's funny because um, I'm a big Genesis fan, and uh, I don't know this record super well. It, it is the first one that you pointed out, Ben, uh, with Phil Collins taking over as lead vocals. But I think we've talked about, too, that like Phil Collins uh, does such a good job of singing exactly like Peter Gabriel. It's almost uncanny and a little bit sus, <laughs> if you ask me. But I guess it kind of made sense because they were singing, you know, he was singing backup for him for so long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's also, uh, apparently, there is some Genesis lore about this, where wherein they say that Collins wrote the lyrics. The bassist, what's his last name, Banks? Banks? <laughs> He's the keyboard player, I believe. Oh, okay. Banks, yeah. Okay. I believe that he and another band member wrote the music, and they asked Collins to write the lyrics. And so, according to the story, he had, recently read a book called the song of the dodo by a guy named david quaman and it talks about multiple species going extinct how they can become mythologized and romanticized as these supernatural creatures after their demise and so he wanted to he, he just made him think of the squawk and so he wrote that song and and genesis i guess looked around the room and said okay yeah sure sure <laughs> phil let's do it is that, do you think that was their energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, Phil. The the sad. You want to make the you want to make a song about the sad one that turns into tears. Great. <laughs> there we go. He's like, you know, dragons are a thing, Phil, or Bigfoot. There there are a lot of choices. The hoop snake goes really fast. Just saying. Hoop That's snake exciting. goes hard. Yeah. Just, just veer to the left a little bit. You'll be fine. 
Mongolian death worm. I mean, yeah, it was that de- squawk was definitely a choice. Uh, ZZ Top may have also shouted out the squawk, and this was their first album. It's a s- song called Squank, and kind of like the early drawings of the squonk, this seems a little more aggressive. Like it's about how the, the squank lives in the swamp and it'll come get you. I don't know if that's coincidence. Just could also be a portmanteau of skank and wank. It could very well know. could. We haven't Just talked as easy no, yet. We really haven't. Uh, I always thought ZZ Top was a person. Oh, Not like Holland Dotes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was always mystified by that one guy who didn't have a beard. What's his deal? He's was the he drummer. Not was he not permitted to have a beard? Was it in the contract? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we also, we do know Steely Dan has a song uh, called Any Major Dude Will Tell You, which I had not heard. I don't know about you guys. I had not yeah, heard I this until I, I until though. this. Well, it has, the, it has the lyrics in there. Have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> they're just as real. I, I guess they also identified, yeah, with the squawk. I uh, think that's what it yeah. is, guys. I think there's yeah. sort of like a lot of these these rock band people are are sensitive at, at, at heart. You know, they might put up a tough front, but uh, they're they're sensitive folks, and they and they relate to the squawk. I can see that. You know, isn't that the mark of a good story? You see yourself in it to some degree. Uh, there's also a Final Fantasy character named Squawk. It's much more bird-like. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. What, what Final Fantasy is this in? This is in Final Fantasy fourteen. I want to say. Ah. Okay. I am not familiar with this. He is something called a Rank B Elite Mark in the Sea of Clouds. Okay. I understand some of those words. He has a chirp attack. Uh, there's also the legendary performance group collective out of out of Pennsylvania called Squonk. And what's that... Uh, What's that immersive theater thing we liked in uh, New York? Meow Wolf. Name no, Meow Wolf. No, oh, uh, no. Sleep yeah. No More. Sleep, Sleep no, more. no More and Omega More. Meow Wolf uh, stuff. Uh, if you're fans of that kind of thing, you might be fans of Squonk, folks. Apparently, they've traveled around the world and the country creating this really trippy, edgy, uh, what did someone call it? Their reviews are pretty interesting. Post-industrial performances? That sounds mm-hmm. fun. Crackpot, modernist, and cartoony Michelangelo's Rust Belt Dada, uh, Debussy meets Godzilla. Those are pretty great reviews. Yeah. I, I think we would try Debussy meets Godzilla. I have no idea what that would even entail, but I want to find out. Sign me up. You've also got this term, uh, chemical squawks, which sounds like a performance art thing in and of itself, which is yeah. actually a science term for a uh, stable, uh, stable substance held in a solution. Yeah, but, but, but it can't be isolated or captured uh, without being dissolved. Yeah, so scientific, the real name for those things is chemical squonks. That's which- wild. Well, and I'm, I'm excited to get to, to this part, Ben, because we talked yeah. earlier a little bit about the idea of being sent on a snipe hunt, you know, um, and which, you know, is usually a stand in for like a wild goose chase. Like this is not something that you're ever going to actually find. Um, so what about a squawk hunt? Is that similar or is there I a potential so. that you might find the damn thing? I don't know. I mean, I, I, it feels like it's maybe a regional variation. The idea of going out to hunt for squonk, maybe like sending someone to hunt for snipe. Did you guys ever get sent on a snipe hunt? It came remember. up in a very early Boy Scout 
event camp out thing. Uh, so I very, only have vague recollections of it. As you know, I didn't progress very far in the organization, but uh, I do remember mention of a snipe hunt. Mm-hmm. Pretty common thing, I think, especially in the South. Mm. Did you have to go on a snipe hunt, Matt? I go on snipe hunts every night, dude. Just to stay on your toes? Yeah. Keep the head on a swivel? That's right. All right. We've got a snipe security expert. It's uh, it, There's an episode of King of the Hill where it's not a snipe hunt. It's something else. Maybe it is, actually. The Order of the Straight Arrow. Yeah, that's the episode, and they, they send him on a, on a snipe hunt. Um, it's great. The it's Order really of the Arrow episode. joke. They do make you sleep rough uh, in the Order of the Arrow, um, or at least when I joined. It was really weird. You know what they gave us for the night? They gave us a What's paper that? bag with two matches. Oh, geez. And so egg. you set the, set the book bag on fire to warm yourself? And, I don't know, man. I was Clear. like, I'm just not going to eat tonight. All right. But uh, it was weird. I don't think that's strictly legal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a question with that hunt. Like in both the, in the snipe case, like you guys were saying, it's generally acknowledged, right? That a snipe is uh, considered a fictional creature. It's a prank to send people hunting for it. But do do we think that people in Pennsylvania or abroad genuinely believe in the existence of the squonk or is it seen as more like a powerful symbolic thing? Well, I just really quickly back to the King of the Hill episode. As it turns out, Bobby takes it very seriously uh, and accidentally uh, kills a whooping crane, which is endangered. <laughs> so it's a it's a real problem there. I think he doesn't actually kill it. He just beats it up and it comes back. It, 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 uh, it, it rouses later. But God, I, I, bet no, I, I think, I think it is symbolic. Yeah, absolutely. But what symbolism can t- be taken very far by a belief, you know? Yeah, I don't think anybody actually thinks Squawk's real, but I bet it's a fun thing for kids. Same as a lot of the tall tales we tell them to, you know, help them understand why there's so many presents under the tree and that kind of thing. I bet it's a fun, it's a fun little thing, especially if you're out in them hemlock forests. Mm -hmm. Shout out to uh, Laurel Hill, right? That's one of them. Uh, And then, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, folks. Like, is this maybe a misidentified real animal? And that misidentification later gave way to a story that was just too interesting to, to fade into obscurity. Uh, if that is in the case, indeed the case, what was that original animal? The echidna idea is really interesting. Yeah. I, I think for my money, that, that entry from CC beach where where it says Windesalt Creek set traps for an otter, two mink, and caught two squonk. In my head, that is a stand-in for useless creatures that I can't make any profit on. Like trash don't fish. have any meat that Nasty, will dude. be yeah. good for I, me. I think that's right. Does that make throw, sense? Throw like, away. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally dude. That makes sense to me. Hundred percent. Yeah, because he's definitely not getting what he's looking for in that. In that trapping situation, yeah, creatures that would st- w- that would set off a trap, right? They mm-hmm. the pelt is is useless and all that stuff. I don't. Know. That's just that's ah, my- so maybe it's like uh, archaic slang, yeah, for just a generic trash animal. That yeah, is not the profitable. weeping. It's not about the squonk weeping. It's about you weeping because you just spent a bunch of time and effort and you caught that, and now you don't get to eat and you don't get any uh whatever. That's a great idea. I mean, I think you were right about the suicide dog bridge out there, uh, out there in Europe. So this feels like a really reasonable explanation to me, a really smart one too. 
we we wanted to end. Maybe that has solved the mystery. Uh, we wanted to end with a big, big thank you uh, to everybody for tuning in, of course, but also to some folks who gave us some great news. If you happen to be in the area of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and you want a really rollicking swamp-related time, then uh, allow us to introduce you to an entire annual festival dedicated to celebrating the world's saddest cryptid, Squonkapalooza, August tenth, twenty twenty four. Hey, we should uh, we should have a little Leo party. <laughs> sure, the the little Leo contingent mm-hmm. attending the Squonkapalooza. Heck yeah! Uh, they have fun games, speakers, performance entertainment, vendors, snacks, of course. And uh, we reached out to the fo- good folks at Squonkapalooza when we when we heard about them after this video. And just the nicest people. I uh, want to give a shout out to Lisa of Cryptid Comforts and Joe of Crypto Teology. Uh, they both sell a lot of like handcrafted cryptid merchandise. And they gave us the story of how Squonkapalooza came to be. Lisa wrote a book called Why So Sad, Squonk? with her friend Brandy Hale, who is the troubadour of Squonkapalooza, which I feel like is a really cool job title. Uh, And uh, Lisa teamed up with Joe, and he is the boots on the ground out there in Pennsylvania. Uh, They wanted to shout out their fellow cryptic creator, Holly Who Art, who designed the website, helps with the tech side. So shout out to uh, Squonkapalooza. Let us know if you've gone. Let us know if you're going. Who knows? Like Matt said, we might end up in town too. Absolutely. And let us know uh, if you plan on being there. You can reach out to us in the usual social media places of note. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, YouTube, and X, uh, nay, Twitter. Um, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show, however, on Instagram and TikTok. You can give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. Why not, why not uh, call in and leave us a three-minute voicemail while you are out in the Pennsylvania forests hunting for a squonk? We want to hear it. Maybe do they do wood knocks? We don't know. Wood weeps? Uh, just call us in. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your message and name on the air. If you don't want to do that, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.